Welcome to the Guitar Almany Podcast. I'm Carl Woolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Each episode, we'll chat with a featured guest from the classical guitar world. Candid conversations, unique experiences, and career observations from the people who best know the guitar. This is your master class in life and the guitar. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or see Carl Woolwind Guitarist on Facebook. Welcome to this very special uh, episode of the Guitar All Mini Podcast. Happy Pride, everybody! This is this is our our episode to celebrate uh, the Pride Month and, and all of that. So happy to have you here with us. My name is Lane Champa. I'm Carl's assistant. Um, I'm also a classical violinist and a queer and trans person from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, hi, I'm David Leisner. I'm a guitarist, composer, teacher, writer. Um, very happy to be on this show with you, Carl and Lane. Um, I've, uh, uh, what can I say, I've uh, had a, a good career uh, as, uh, as guitarist, composer, teacher, and so on for, for a long time, and uh, enjoy my life very much. And uh, I'm uh, happy to say that a big part of my life is uh, living for 41 years with my husband, Ralph Jackson. Um, and uh, be nice if he could join us on this uh, interview, but he's busy painting in his studio. <laughs> Hi, I'm Julie Goldberg. Um, I'm a Chicago area classical guitarist. Um, I've played all around the world, um, and I really enjoy right now um, exploring chamber music. I play with the Avanti Guitar Trio, with the Silver Rose Flute and Guitar Duo. Um, as well as solos, and I direct the Chicago Community Classical Guitar Ensemble, um, and I um, love working with students of all ages uh, and helping them enjoy learning to enjoy to play guitar and to um, to to develop as much as they can. My name is Cami Rowan, and I teach at Guilford College, which is a small liberal arts college in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I've been there for quite a while. Um, I also did some public high school teaching in a magnet art school before I was full-time at, at Guilford. Um, I studied with Aaron Shear for my undergraduate a long, long time ago at UNCSA. And then I got my master's and my doctorate from Glenn Kaluta at Shenandoah Conservatory of Shenandoah University. Um, let's see. So yeah, I'm mainly involved. I'm, I'm on the board of the GFA right now. I'm really into nonprofit work. So I'm in on, on a, the Piedmont Guitar Society board and Arts Greensboro board and the Eastern Music Festival board. So I'm on four nonprofits right now and I really enjoy that kind of work. Um, and I'm the director of the guitar program at Eastern Music Festival, which is just a, a really fun, wonderful um, festival that happens every summer. And this summer I've taught with Jason Vio for I think seven years and Julian, Julian Gray. But this year we have Gigi. So Julian retired because he wants to write some books and do some important things that we need him to do. So uh, we, we got Gigi this time. So I'm excited to work with her because I, I haven't been able to work with her yet. And then finally, I guess it's the USGO would be the only other thing that people might have heard about for me. And that's the U.S. Guitar Orchestra. And we're getting ready to do our second one of those. So that's that's plenty about who I am. 
I'm a lot of other things, but that's the guitar part of me. <laughs> yeah, welcome. Um, I wanted to start off this conversation with a little bit of a, a chat about what it means to you to have visibility of LGBTQ people in the classical guitar world in, and what visibility has either done for you throughout your career or why it's important to continue the others. Well, that's, that's a really interesting question. So I never... Or, and I still don't think of myself as, um, as like anything but a person in society, okay? But I know um, that some people are attracted to studying with me or listening to me or, or working with me because of the representation, because they um, might be coming out or, or know that they are gay and then are looking to have someone like-minded accepting. I, I can't tell you the array of students that I have at the colleges I teach at that aren't guitar majors, but end up wanting to take lessons or to, to take the class that I'm teaching. And I have the strong suspicion that it's because of who I am, not so much because of the subject. And I'm all for that. You know, I, I feel like um, the more we can make spaces where people feel comfortable, the, the better. And I'm happy to do that at the schools I teach at. I'm happy to do that for my students. I just wish I didn't have to be the only one doing it. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, that you don't have to be gay to to help and to be a role model, but I'm ha I'm just totally happy to do it. Have you spoken, this, uh, that's really interesting. Have you spoken to other people who have had similar experiences where they're kind of like a magnet for, for folks because they know that they're safe or they feel safe or, or those kinds of things? I mean, is that is that a common thing? Well, it depends. I, you know, I have to say, I haven't talked, I haven't spoken to many people, but I do see it happening. Yeah. So I teach, at, I teach at a couple colleges. At one, the faculty is, is very diverse. And um, it's not such an issue there. You know, there, right. you know, people stay in their own lane because the students stay in their own lane of like basically what they're interested in. And yeah. it's not, they're not taking classes with the professors because of their orientation, you know, yeah. um, because it's a much, it's a very accepting school. I teach at another university that's a bit more conservative. And huh. that's where I really find students going out of their, their main track, out of their lane, maybe taking an extra class so that, that they can have the experience of being with a supportive teacher. And huh. It's, I mean, it's not like it's said out loud, you know, the, like yeah. that's, no one says to me, Dr. Goldberg, I'm taking this class with you because you're gay and I'm gay and I need, I need someone to, you know, to understand me. Sure. Not that, it's, but it's, it's very clear that we have something in common and, you know, we're still talking about. And, and is that they just, they just know because people have talked in the community and they're, I mean, how, how do they, how do they, how do they know to gravitate towards you? Carl. <laughs> Oh, you can't see my feet, but I wear Birkenstocks. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on now. <laughs> Honestly, I've, I've never made a statement. I mean, yeah. I've never made a statement. Um, and when I started teaching, I purposefully didn't make a statement. Right. right? It's, it's not that I denied it. You know, someone came out and said to me, you know, Julie, are you gay? You know, you're teaching here, are you gay? I'm like, I, no one ever asked me that. 
Uh, <laughs> stocks. Right, right. like the don't ask, don't tell situation. So I've never, I've never come out and said, "Aha, I am." But you know, I'm, I'm who I am. If I yeah. go to a concert and my wife wants to go with me, we go. You know, um, if I introduce my wife as my wife. You know, if um, it, many years ago. Uh, students would ask uh, questions like, you know, what are you doing for the holidays? That I would say, oh, my family and I. Now, I do say my wife and I. Right. You know, um, so so things have definitely opened up and changed. But um, yeah, so I think I think it's it's known, but it's not that I I don't put it on <laughs> the label. I don't put it right. on my door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't need to. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Um, you mentioned a little bit that. Uh, the students at the more conservative school you teach at seem to seem to find you as a safe space or a safe person or just someone that they want to connect with. And you mentioned a little bit that they don't have that with other professors who maybe are in a similar boat to you. Do you think that your own visibility is helpful in getting other professors to be able to come out of their shell a little bit more or at least um, help students find that sort of safe space within the university? Well, I could answer that better if I was very active in the university. Um, so, I mean, this is, as Carl knows well, this is this is the subject of being an adjunct instructor. Mm -hmm. So, um, I my relationships are mainly with my students, um, and then my direct um, department chairs. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, being adjunct, I'm not required to go to meetings, so I don't go to meetings. You know, right. um, <laughs> so I. I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I don't think that I have a impact there, you know, mm. because I'm just not uh, that close to faculty in that way. Well, visibility is, is everything. I think, I mean, I, I've been, um, I've been pretty out <clears throat> much of my life. Um, most of my life, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, gee, uh, I guess I, um, I sort of knew I was gay or beginning to think I was gay in high school. Um, the search uh, um, continued in, in early, the first couple of years of college. Uh, and once I knew more definitively that I was gay, or at least mostly gay, didn't really know at that point, and I still don't really know whether whether one is all one and all the other, or whether there's a spectrum, which is what I kind of suspect. But anyway, um, my um, once my inclination, once I was more certain about um, being gay, uh, was to be pretty open about it, almost right from the start. And um, I took a year off uh, between my sophomore and junior year in college to study guitar with John Duart in England. Uh, and it was during that year, that time away, that, um, that I felt freer to explore uh, my sexuality. And so by the time I came back, from England, I knew better, a lot better, who I was and who I am. And not long after that, I um, uh, started a, a gay organization at, at Wesleyan University, the college I went to in Connecticut. 
um, which was a very big deal. It was there were a lot of closeted people on the campus, and um, at that time, this was in the uh, early seventies. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was really a, a great struggle, but I felt very, very strongly from the beginning that if people aren't out, aren't visible, um, that the, the needle's not going to move forward. You know, nothing's going to move forward. Um, and I didn't particularly admire the closeted existence of so many gay people, although I understood it very, very well and many, many reasons why they were that way. But I didn't admire the kind of life that they led as a result. It, it wasn't the kind of life that would make me personally happy. So, um, so... At the very least, for my own sake, I felt it was important to be out and visible. Um, it wasn't easy. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, what's the word, uh, kickback or, you know, the difficulty. Uh, a lot pushback. Of, a lot of yeah. pushback, thank you, is the word I was looking for. Um, a lot of pushback, a lot of prejudice, a lot of... You know, I, I wouldn't say I was uh, a major butt of, of cruelty or, or hatred or anything because Wesleyan was a very progressive school and remains this to, the, to this day. But uh, even so, uh, that was a time when uh, people stayed closeted for the most part. And um, so anyway, the point is, is that I really crusaded for visibility uh, in my last two years at Wesleyan. And I think that I made a lot of progress. And I think I had some converts. I think a lot of people, well, I know a bunch of, a number of people came up to me and told me they were grateful to me for, for um, being one of the leaders of that movement at Wesleyan. Um, and I continued that um, that crusade, as it were, past college and and throughout the rest of my life. And I feel it's extremely important because the more that you hide it, uh, the more that there is a sense of guilt and fear, fear on everybody's part, gear, uh, fear on the on the LGBTQ person's part, fear on everybody they know's part of them. Um, and guilt and fear are not healthy things to be experiencing right. in life. And, and I continue to feel very strongly about it. And again, understanding that not everybody can be open about it. Even to this day, where, where things are way more open now than they were back in the 70s. And certainly <laughs> in the 70s, it was nothing compared to what it was like to in the 50s. And before that, so you know, we've come a long way, and and as we all know, there's a hell of a long way to go, a hell of a long way, and now we're we're facing tremendous pushback uh, politically um, from forces that are trying to push us back into the closet, uh, and uh, it's a very very dangerous time.
for so many reasons. Um, but throughout that dangerous time, I will always be an advocate for visibility. So there's my little lecture on your question. <laughs> so when, when, when you started that organization, it was, was that through like official university um, channels or, or did it start as like an informal group? And I mean, I would, I would just imagine, I mean, pushback would at that time must have been, you know, I can't even, I can't even imagine what, you know, that's, it, it, you know, it, it, it's difficult to do these things now. And, and yes, you know, that yes. Was, yeah, that was quite a while. It ago. was not. There were, I don't think there was anything at the time that that approached official sanction of such a group. Uh, those yeah. things didn't come about till maybe the nineties. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, this was privately done, but but publicly announced. You know, we had a school newspaper, okay. which was well read by by the college, uh, by the students and faculty. And, uh, and I made sure that it got in there and I wrote articles yeah. and I, I did all kinds of stuff uh, to, to promote it. And we had a, a, you know, a place to meet that was private, but then we had some public meetings. Um, <laughs> I, I tried to get something going called the Backdoor Cafe. <laughs> which was literally entered from the back door of this building oh <laughs> and uh, it was quite a an interesting uh an interesting thing but anyway no we did not have official sanction um it was uh, word of mouth and and uh, whatever huh. public Announcements that were that were it was it was it was kind of underground but not not private. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Interesting. Did did you ever did you ever ever have any any experiences where um, people tried to threaten you or tried to to harass you or any of those kinds of things? I did not have that. Um, uh, I have had. You know, well, not all that long ago, maybe just a very few years ago, three, four years ago, uh, my husband and I were walking on the streets in New York, of all places, and we were oh holding gosh. hands as we've done for decades, um, and somebody spit at us oh. uh, and, you know, yelled whatever hateful stuff they yelled. Right. Um, and that was, that was one of the more... Um, obvious instances of it. But I have to say, again, in comparison to earlier times, even in the 70s, again, compared to the 50s, there was already a lot of political correctness going around. So, yeah. so people wouldn't overtly harass you. Now, maybe I didn't get as much of that because I'm more straight acting. Um, that's just my natural way. I, I tend to be a kind of a masculine kind of a guy with feminine, a lot of feminine sides to my personality, and I'm not afraid to show them. But, but I tend to be more, I tend to pass for a straight male, and a lot of people were, and even to this day are, continue to be surprised uh, if they, they hear that I'm gay and they don't know anything about me. Um, so I wouldn't be the target of such things uh, as much as, say, my husband, who is more obviously gay, um, 
and you know he has been more the brunt of of these kinds of things but even then not as much as many others um, certainly trans people have a huge a huge amount to deal with uh, in that regard because it's pretty out there um, and uh, you know it, it, it's whatever I've experienced is nothing compared to what they're experiencing. I think it's, it's, it's one of the things that, that often comes to mind when, when we have these conversations is part of the lack of understanding is, is that, that, you know, it's not just that um, people are, are mean to you or, you know, don't understand or say, say rude <clears throat> things. It's, it's that, you know, you're, Sometimes you're actually, you know, in danger, you know, yes. and, 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 the, and the threat of that, it can, I, the stress of living under that threat, you know, that's, that's, that's what causes things like PTSD and, and all sorts Absolutely of issues, right. you know, and, Absolutely and right. you know, I, and I, I think, I, I think that's part from, from my perspective, you know, that's, that's something that people like me don't often consider, you know, when you say people like you. <laughs> I well I'm 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 not gay, I'm not trans, I'm you know I'm You're an ally. I'm an ally and I'm 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 happy to hear you say that because I, I want to be an ally <laughs> and I try to be the best ally I can be. You're a great um, ally. Just for doing this show you're a great ally. I appreciate yeah. that, you know, and, and, and but I think I think that's that's something that, that uh folks who aren't in your community Again, it's it's easy for us to not think about that part. Absolutely of it, right, you know? and you know, so much of it also depends on where you live. Uh, mm -hmm. I live in L.A. Sure. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I was brought up in L.A. I live in New York. Uh, you know, two big cities where that, that the kind of thing you're talking about happens a lot less than it does in the South, and in certain certain states in the South, much 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 worse than other states. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, people are killed for this. Uh, we we know very well that people are killed because they're gay, because they're trans, because they're whatever. Uh, and it's horrifying. It's not shocking, not to me, but right. it's horrifying. Um, and of course, all of this stems from this situation where we've been closeted for so long because my feeling very strong feeling is that the more that we're out, the more that people know that they know somebody who's LGBTQ. Right. They know somebody. So the more they know somebody, the more they'll think twice about spewing hatred and, uh, uh, you know, doing acts of, of extreme cruelty and violence. Yeah, I definitely uh, can relate to that on the front of the context of the types of harassment because uh, I had never spent too much time on either coast and last year I was able to travel to Oregon for a while and I had never really been in a city where someone like me isn't viewed as very much other and um, was much more used to the type of... Um, I don't know, the type of general harassment that happens in the Midwest where it is pretty upfront and you know about it and you can see the person saying the things to you. Um, 
And what I learned while I was there is that similar things happen in different ways. And uh, the type of harassment is harder to track when it's happening in ways that are maybe more covert or behind your back and you don't know about it. Exactly. Um, I almost prefer the Midwestern brand, if I'm honest. At least you know it's happening. (laughs) (laughs) You you prefer the constant low-grade hatred rather than the (laughs) pockets of intense hatred that that you don't necessarily see. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, one thing I did want to bring up along those lines is um, it can be really difficult to uh, show um, to the people around you, even if they are allies, what types of support you need in certain situations both musical and not um and uh i hear a lot of people say oh you're very brave but they don't ever kind of take that next step to like remove the need for that boldness or that bravery and like try to create solutions where people in the lgbtq community don't have to be that way Mm -hmm. um and so i wonder david in your experience what uh what if anything have you asked for advocated for that helped you um in music context or non um well first of all i i think that it's largely up to lgbtq people to ask for these things because other people are not going to think of it it's just the situation so i think it's important for us maybe even a responsibility for us to ask for what we need. Um, certainly, you know, calling out uh, disguised prejudice is a really important thing. Another big deal for me is the institution of marriage, um, which uh, is huge for us. And, and once again, you know, that, that uh, right in this country is, is going to be challenged. And who knows what's going to happen with that. But um, I can tell you with great certainty that the, that the institution of marriage being bestowed on my husband and me after we'd been together for 30 years as friends, quote unquote, partners, roommates, blah, blah, blah. No, this person is my soulmate, God damn it. This is my husband, this is, you know. And so when that came to be, not just in New York State where I live, but, um, but in the country, that was huge, huge. Um, and as I think I said to Carl in, the, in our, our previous po- podcast, one of the most important things besides financial issues, which are huge, actually, um, but one of the most important things is the ability to call my husband, my husband. Mm-hmm. And in that uh, moment, when you, announce your, when you announce him as your husband or he announces me as his husband, so many things click for the person or people they're speaking to. Um, so many things click that everything is taken care of, which is exactly what happens with straight people. In, in a right. moment when they say, this is my husband or this is my wife, right. it's taken care of. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Except now you have a layer of 
oh, I didn't know you were gay, or oh, gee, uh, what, you know. But it, but like, if it's a husband or a wife, oh, all right, it's a spouse, fine, you know, it's like great. So, you know, that, that brings brings up a, a question that 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 I kind of have for you, and, and it it was something that that. Uh, you know, I thought of when when you were talking about, um, you know, you're coming out and 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 all of that. So, where where is that line between? Oh, I didn't know you were gay. I, is that rude for somebody to say that? Not at all. Like, okay, okay. Because <laughs> I mean, it's like, what? I just I think it's for folks in in your community. It seems like there's almost this obsessive focus from straight people, like you know, it's who cares, right? right? You know, why why are we why are we so obsessed with you know, are you gay and and like were, have you always been gay or you know like what about your genitalia? You know, I mean, right. like what is what is our problem? What, what why why does that even exist? Well, I mean, it's you know, it's different for everybody, and for some people, it's not an issue, and other people, it is, and I think it's perfectly fine. Wherever you're at, wherever you're coming from, be honest about your expression. It's my opinion. I I think it's perfectly lovely to be honest about it and just say, oh, I never thought, you know, somebody who maybe never even considered somebody being gay, you know, maybe they're very, very small town or whatever. Uh, fine, you know, great, be honest with me. Well, I'll be happy to tell you about it, you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, because again, that openness, uh, right. uh, openness is the key. So it's just, uh, just another way that that kind of runs into the visibility Absolutely, issue, I guess. Yeah. I guess that can be seen as an opportunity to, to make yourself visible. Yes, because, yeah. you know, if you try to second guess the person, like let's say, let's say you're a straight person talking to a gay person and, and, you, and you've just discovered they're gay. And then you're thinking all these kinds of thoughts in your head. Oh, he's gay. Oh, what do I do? What does that mean? How do I negotiate this? And all this stuff is going inside your head, and you don't know where that's going to end up. That could end up with a great deal of negativity, could end up with something poisonous. It could end up with something very lovely and, and free and open. That's all, you know, all those are possibilities. But when you spell out your, your honest response, then the other person, the gay person, has an opportunity to respond to you, and uh, yeah. you know, and to say, well, you know, this is what I think about it. This is my experience, and isn't is it similar to yours? And you know, then you have a conversation, and and there's 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 that openness only breeds uh, familiarity and 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 right. uh, camaraderie and community, you know, because community, I mean. Yeah. It's just like, you know, I, I, I don't want to get overtly political here, but, you know, we call this the United States of America, and we are very much the divided states of America right now. And so much of that is because there's all this polarity going on, and we're not thinking enough about each other as brothers and sisters and community. And, you know, it's like, so, so to that end, when somebody... Uh, you find out that somebody's gay and you don't know what that means or how you feel about it, talk about it, you know, <laughs> don't hide it. Don't hide it. I don't like hiding. I don't think it's healthy for any human being.
Yeah, it's so important when you interact with people um, with, I mean, with really any background, whether it has to do with sexuality or gender or race, which I'm sure we'll get to talk about too. Um, we uh, so often think that we know what the other person is going to say. We don't approach the situation with a learner's mindset. And so you've already made your judgment, you fill in the blanks. And one of the things that I um, really enjoy that's kind of under fire in this country right now is being able to come out to my students in a classroom situation um it's important to me to be able to do that but i really love their responses because they don't have a plan for that conversation the way that adults do mm. and so you get everything from oh no like not really <laughs> or uh kids who are just like well that's very boring why did you tell me that uh <laughs> everything in between oh <laughs> um, well, that's gotta be refreshing oh it is <laughs> definitely well there were some students having uh, an issue in my classroom this year a, a fight over a boy and uh, to kind of like smooth things over. I said, oh, you know, well, I dated boys in middle school and I uh, I don't remember their names now. And uh, both of the girls were like, Mr. Champa, you dated boys? And it was like a whole, <laughs> quite a funny thing. And as a non-passing transmasculine person, it was absolutely hilarious to me that that's how they viewed the situation. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree, David, with uh, approaching these conversations with uh, a more open and kind of want to learn about the person rather than having a preconceived um, judgment of what they will say or why they will say what they say. Um, and I think it's one of the best ways to be an effective communicator. Like I'm obsessed with uh, Alan Alda for these reasons. A lot of his books talk about approaching things with a with a learner's mindset or with an inquisitive mind and um mm. it's so important when you're having these kind of conversations both with people you trust allies and in the community and uh with people that you maybe don't trust so much mm. well said like it's it it and is is this something i mean that 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 it that, that it sounds awesome it sounds great is, is it something that you think is that possible to have those kind of conversations on a larger scale than just, you know, small groups of people or one-on-one, -on -one, that kind of thing? Is, is that something that can be expanded to when, when people speak out to large groups of people? Is, it, is, it, yeah. is, that, is that a possibility as well? I think well? it's a possibility. I, I think in many cases that can be very difficult. That's um, yeah. uh, more like them against me. You know, if you're just one person, if there's a panel of you, several people, then it's maybe a little easier. But um, it, it can be a very difficult situation. I mean, I, I think personally, probably the greatest work is, most important work is done one-on-one. -on -one. But of course, it's much slower that way. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's where it really happens, but man, if we, if you have to get to every single individually, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's going to take a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is a nice example of where we're having a conversation with just a few people and yet it's being right. transmitted to hopefully a lot of people out there. Right. Um, yeah. So that, you know, that's, that's great. The only, Unfortunate thing is we can't get their feedback. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, may maybe we can, and hopefully it's it's positive. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the uh, 
I think one of the best ways to show that sort of communication uh, is kind of what you said at the start, David, to be visible, um, because that is a way to communicate um, your like understanding and comfortability with yourself to a large group of people that you encounter. Um, just being being out and being confident and being willing to communicate despite bad, awkward, or maybe at sometimes kind of risky conversations, I think is uh, one of those ways that you maybe can have more than a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yes. Yes. Of a non-verbal conversation. <laughs> yes. And, and you talk about confidence, which is so important. And I was just thinking, you know, a lot of my confidence I realized uh, increased immensely when I was finally with the person that I ended up being with for the rest of my life, at least so far. Um, and um, it really does help. And I think, you know, for anybody LGBTQ listening to this, maybe feeling less confident, uh, that may well be that you haven't been long enough with somebody to give you that kind of confidence and just know that it'll, it'll come. <laughs> It'll get there. Um, I think that's important to know. So when I started thinking about this, the thing that really came to mind for me is that that for me in the classical guitar world, I'm, I'm kinda, I kind of I don't want to get too small yet because you ask a larger question. But for me in the classical guitar world, it was always harder to navigate my gender. Than my sexuality hmm. so that's something i'd like to talk about today but I, I would say you know in general in classical music i think now everything is so much more fluid and that the arts are a place that welcome diversity and and uh, i mean i've always felt like it's a community that supports and nurtures um you know, all kinds of uh, differences, right? Or, or, or celebrates differences um, and uplifts people. That's the way I like to think of it. And so I think that it's a great context for LGBT uh, folks to be in, um, in the arts in, in, any, in any way. I think we're lucky. We're I feel, I've always felt lucky to be a part of arts community. And I've felt safe and celebrated in that community. Uh, and I've not always felt that in other communities. Mm -hmm. um, speaking about gender, how do you feel like the uh, roles or the respect towards masculinity and femininity in the guitar world change respect to who holds them? <laughs> it's, it's heavy um, for me. So yeah, I've thought more about gender in my lifetime as a classical guitarist, much more than I have about sexuality because I've just never really run up against, in, in the classical guitar world, I've never run up against any, what I would feel is prejudice about my sexuality. But I have certainly, you know, and I'm, 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 old, I'm old school, right? So I'm an older female um, who remember, I remember my first GFA, I mean, maybe there were five or six women there all, maybe all. 10 i don't yeah. know 10 oh my gosh i don't know there weren't many yeah um so i think that was more impactful for me as a young person like i think mm -hmm. 
I, I have a friend who always tells me that I'm, I was the only female that Aaron Shearer ever graduated, but I don't think that's true. I know of another one that came after me. So like, that's pretty significant that my teacher wow. really didn't graduate females, right? Like that's, he taught females. Yeah. And w one of the most like important pedagogues of yeah. the modern era. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that, so I definitely felt like, like I could, I always like to tell a story that I, I won't use names because, but I, I like to tell a story that there, that when I was a freshman, this uh, good friend of mine told me that the guys in the studio voted like a dinner on whether I would last a year. Oh, so, you know, like that, that was always so much wow. more impactful for me. Whereas on the other side of that, going to an art school from a really small town, I was like, Oh my God, I'm a lesbian and it's okay. So like, <laughs> I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling so embraced by this, the art school as in my sexuality, but I'm not feeling embraced necessarily by the studio or maybe understood. Mm -hmm. I do think it was to my advantage. My sexuality is to my advantage at times because I didn't necessarily have to deal with maybe what like heterosexual females would have to deal with, with male guitarists. That's, that's like a whole nother thing, you know, yeah. a whole other layer. Uh, and I didn't, I, I felt a little bit like privileged in the way of like not having to maybe navigate that territory as much. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It overlaps so much when it comes to gender and gender expression and who holds those expressions. And you're very right. That probably did. I mean, it gave you obviously a lot of, uh, a lot of bumps in the road on the way to where you are now and probably worse than that, but also gave you the, um, the ability to get around some of those situations that probably would have otherwise been quite awful. Yeah, I agree totally, Lane. Yeah. Straight men behave very badly. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we've like, I don't know if we've not taken very good care sometimes, you know, I mean, and, and I mean, I look at the yeah. whole classical guitar world. I don't know. I don't want to come on here and just talk about gender, but that's, that's kind of more of my, that's, my headspace yeah. around this. Totally I mean, I guess fine, gender, yeah. gender, you know, trans, transects like all of this discussion, I guess, but you know, I think of the classical guitar world, like even the way that the guitar is played, you know, especially American guitar has been really rooted in male expression. Now, nurture or nature, I'm not into that because my I'm not a professional psychologist and I'm not going to get into nurture nature. But, you know, the whole way that males approach guitar and females approach guitar is like really different. Mm -hmm. So even like how fast we play or how, how much we emphasize technique and, you know, all that kind of falls in society's ideology of the male. Right. So we, you know, you can see like with electric guitar. So why do, you know, men, a lot of males socialize biological again, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert there, but like spend hours and hours and hours of their teenage life, just copying solos, copying solos, copying mm -hmm. solos. Right. Um, it's not that a, a female couldn't, couldn't do that. If a female wanted to do that, that has, that's, you know, right. but why aren't we, you know, why aren't we like socialized or biologically drawn to do that kind of thing? So like, 
again, this is, I'm generalizing, but I do think that expression is tied to obviously individuality, environment, and all those things, but it's also tied to social norms. And, you know, I really have, I really believe that female people or people who identify as female or, and people who identify as male or male, I mean, I think there's a difference even in the expression or the intention or the focus. Um, Mm. I think all of that is, I've thought about that my whole life. Mm. You know, I don't know what's important or it's very complex. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And gender is so tied up in any performance art and uh, just being a guitarist is in some ways probably a bit of a performance of gender because that's part of who you are, how you are, what you've chosen to express about yourself. Um, and obviously guitar plays a large role in your life. You've had a, a long career and um, more to come. And so uh, it's important to recognize those overlaps between um, the way you relate to yourself, the way you relate to gender, the way you relate to the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And who, I mean, who, um, well, I was thinking the other day, how many full-time female guitar teachers there are, that, how many female guitar, um, full-time guitar college professors are there in the U.S.? Right. Not many. Mm-hmm. Five? Yeah, maybe. Something, you know, so, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, I mean, you know, we could just sit here for hours and talk about gender and guitar <laughs> because, like, you, you think about, like, the electric guitar is, like, so phallic. It's so, right. like... It so represents man, you know, yeah. man. <laughs> right. So we just have all kinds of baggage around that. What Segovia's quotes about like, you know, the guitar is like a woman. Right. You never know what mood she's going to be in, right. how she's going to act or that kind of, you know, I mean, we're chasing a whole like <laughs> legacy of like. <laughs> um, so what do you think about the ways to undo some of that gendering or kind of decouple it from what people expect? Um, I do think I'm an optimist. So I do think we are doing a better job and we are starting to get at that. I I think the whole, you know, 2021, um, you know, the protests and Black Lives Matter movement, I I made a made a big effect in the guitar world. Um, You know, suddenly we're interested, much more interested in composers, you know, uh, POCs, uh, composers of color and females and um, composers and literature that's outside of the, you know, Giuliani, Carcassi, Carulli, Rodrigo, whoever, like, you know, suddenly it's, it's, you know, who can you find? We've been heading this way. I think we've been heading this way. Um, so it, it, and it's, it's, it's that balance. Like, you know, not that that isn't that repertoire, that core repertoire that we all know is not valuable and like i mean you know guitar was kind of made by men for men i mean you look at the shape of guitar you look at the actual physicality of the instrument let's talk about a dreadnought right a dreadnought so like again i'm generalizing it's not that we don't have females that are six two that need larger guitars and that all women are small and all men are large that is not my message here but like the vision, the narrow vision of like how of, of the size of an instrument or how it fits a human being, right? So like now 
I think one of the ways that that we've gotten to that lane is like, okay, people are playing 640s, people are talking about 632s, you know, maybe bigger isn't better. You know, I mean, I play a 640, a lot of my students play 640. Why not? Let's be comfortable, even my male students yeah. um, that aren't larger in size. So like that would be an example of one way I think we're moving forward is, mm-hmm. you know, different designs of instruments. Um, and just encouraging females. I mean, I'm always, there's always this thing. My whole life in my studios, my, the males are more confident in their performance. You know, I'm always ta- pulling the females aside in a group and saying, this is, a, this is our issue. This is our issue. You've been socialized to not believe in yourself. You've been socialized to not think, um, you know, in a confident, assertive way. You've been, I mean, it's just so evident how different those are. So like you have to get at it differently. You have to teach differently. You have to think, well, what, how do I speak to the feminine wisdom or like the, um, the, again, social norms and every, all the ways that like each gender has been, you know, cheated, uh, and, um, manipulated or, and so like, well, what might be important to one student of one gender gender might be not be important to another student. And we're just taking gender as like one little part of it. Of course, it's who you are and your social, you know, your environment and how you're raised and your life experiences. So I don't mean to just make it about this, but I, in my, in my experience, I'm always dealing with a lack of confidence in females and a lack of, um, you know, kind of belief, not, not every female, but, Generally speaking, these are some of the things we have to lift our females up. We have to tell them they are good. We have to show them confidence. We have to mentor that. We have to tell them why they are valuable in the guitar world and what they bring to it that is special and specific to who they are. And so I think it's just that, that teaching, that pedagogy, that uplifting, that sharing. And we got to change the look of the thing, because if the look of the thing is perfect notes with no expression really fast that's probably not going to be as appealing as like some of the you know um things i've talked about like how you play what it means to you what's what does it uh speak to your heart how do you express it in a way that's meaningful to you like so it's how we talk about it how we show it how we share it and how we nurture our our girls i think our females um do you think there are ways that maybe you as an educator or the guitar field in general can better support men in guitar to uplift the women around them? Yeah, I think teaching the men differently, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to do, we're coming from, I, I'm, again, I'm older, so I'm coming from a more narrow model, right? There's this, there's a model. Model is that you do competitions, you know, um, you know, you don't have to do, we're not limited anymore. This is a broad thing. The more you do, the more you play, the broader you are right now, the more you, the more you are a whole person. Like that's important. I mean, we didn't used to think think about things like that. It was how well did you play? How could you play on stage? How many competitions do you win? How many mistakes do you make? Like, that's just not a good value system, right? That's just not a, to me, it's not a good value system. So we are, I think, we are opening that, but the, but my answer is definitely teach men differently. Yeah. Because if you teach your males differently 
and then they have a different sense and a more open mind of what's possible, then they're going to grow up to be teachers and understand females more because they're not just coming from this kind of narrow, you know, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think we have to educate them and we have to take care of the men too. You know, I mean, part of this like rampant kind of running away with this like bad value system is because we're not caring for our men either. You know, it's like, you know, look at the dropout rates in schools and and how we're, we're failing our, our men. So I don't know, maybe we're just more love. <laughs> and respect <laughs> and respect and, 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 that and i think, I think part of what I'm, I'm hearing you say too is is the focus on the humanity humanity in in what we do right you know and and what's important about uh, about creating art it, it, and it's not it's not about not making mistakes and it's not about winning competitions and getting out there and you know being the biggest caveman and having the biggest club it's you know it's like and and i think even even amongst men there are probably a lot of us who would much rather talk about being human and and finding expression and finding beauty and these these kinds of things and shifting that focus you know i think that's it's really important really, really i mean important. i i see that i see that desire in men that you know they yes they want to feel they want to express they want to you know i mean we have a really intense um, responsibility and power as artists to heal ourselves and others. Like, holy crap, we're putting out this energy into the universe that makes it a better place to be. Yeah. And we can touch, we can literally like touch and it's about that sharing and that power. And like, if we center it back in there, yeah, you've got to get your chops together and sit in the practice room and like do that thing. I mean, you know, but that's not, that's a means right. to a, an end, not the end. Yeah. And that's all around the heart space and all that other stuff. So if we can center it there, I think, you know, and that's where the arts are centered. I mean, sure, there's politics and you get into nonprofits, you know, all this stuff and and nobody gives artists money and there's all these other complex problems. But like at the heart of the arts, I think that it that that true essence is about like that sharing, that love, that energy, that healing all those things that we can, we can do, yeah. mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Whether we're male, female, cisgender, gay, lesbian, trans, I don't know. <laughs> so we're all people, like yeah. you said, the humanity of the thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, we talked about this a little bit in, in your, your previous inter- interview, David, but the, in, the guitar world is, is kind of strangely, you know, macho or, or you know, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's odd to me that I don't know more gay male guitar players, you know, like it, 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 and it just, it, it seems it's odd, yes. you know, and, and whereas, you know, I, I look at it, at other instrumentalists and, uh, you know, it seems, it seems like, oh yeah, every, everybody else has them. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. You got that right. There's no question. There, and you yeah. hit the nail on the head. It's you know, it's the masculine culture. It's the you know what some of us call toxic masculinity. It, yeah. it, it, it's uh, I'm I'm sorry that I won't live long enough to see matriarchy taking over, <laughs> making <laughs> things probably better at least for a while. Uh, we should at least try it. I mean, uh, we've we've had a good run with the patriarchy. Let's try yeah, something absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I really think so. 
but I think uh, masculinity has screwed up a lot of things, you know, that kind of culture of masculinity uh, to the exclusion of other possibilities. Um, yeah. Well, and it's difficult too. I mean, masculinity is always, and femininity as well, within the context of who holds it. And so, um, of course, within the classical guitar world, masculinity is a strength, uh, quote unquote, a mm -hmm. uh, strength of being uh, a man in the classical guitar world, but it might not be a strength of a woman being in the classical guitar world, or at least perceived that way by the general culture. And of course, the converse for um, feminine men within that, uh, within that community. Um, that the role of who holds what identities is so important to those conversations. What's your experience been with traveling and performing other places? Well, um, let's see. So I lived in Chicago, which is great. You know, um, it's mm -hmm. being a big city. There's a lot of diverse people. It's excellent. When I lived in Cincinnati, it was less progressive. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's actually part of the time we're talking about here because that's uh, I was in school then um, doing my um, master's and really kind of forming, you know, my my playing and, and, and my career. And um, that was tough. That was tough because it was not was not a welcoming environment. Um, and there was a lot of talk, you know, there was a lot of talk about who is gay, who isn't gay. And, and it wasn't it wasn't great, you know, um, and it wasn't. So it wasn't something I was going to announce, you know, or, or admit to admit that's terrible to say, but you know, I wasn't <laughs> nothing I was going to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So that wasn't, that was a hard time for sure. That was definitely a hard time. Um, and you know, traveling, I, I assume like traveling for fun. I mean, that's, that's more where, where I, I'm able to, to either feel that it's like a, a fun, safe environment, or maybe this is a little bit too conservative. But I do have to say, though, traveling and then meeting people who are not like you is really great because mm -hmm. then they meet you and you have something in common. And I've only had, you know, fine experiences I, from people who I would have not imagined it would have happened. I've had very fine experiences. Mm -hmm. um, as far as traveling and playing professionally, um, so I traveled quite a bit with the Avanti Guitar Trio and we would play places. And I was more focused on the fact that we were a group playing together and it didn't come up. I don't know what the audience thought and they never said to me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and it's not that we stayed, um, you know, and mostly we were, we were in Texas, we were in um, the Midwest, we were in Ohio. We, we, we did some very, you know, mostly US tours. And I, you know, so I, I don't know if it was an issue or not, but I, I didn't, it wasn't my identity then that, you know, like, I don't know when, when Carl goes somewhere is, is this first identity of like, Oh, I'm a heterosexual band. I don't think so. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm here to, you know, play some really fine music that, you know, I'm a musician. That's, that's first. Mm -hmm. Um, coming back to kind of your role as an educator in classical music, um, do you feel that being a member of the LGBTQ community and helping students who may be in the same boat strengthens your role as an educator for either those students or just on the whole? I think it, 
you know, I do think it strengthens my role on the whole. And um, because the majority of the students, because the majority of the world, you know, uh, you know, is, is straight. So th that's the majority of the students I have. And I think it's wonderful for them, for anyone to meet someone uh, where you have a common interest, but then you learn about the differences of the people, you know, that like you learn about differences in people's lives and that you can, you can come together over a common interest in this case, you know, the most wonderful thing, music, and of course, classical guitar are the best instrument, mm -hmm. right? And you can come together with that and really be passionate about that and connect with someone who is so different from you in ordinary life. And, um, you know, I, I find that when I'm teaching at the more conservative college, I, I find that because a lot of my students are very conservative, yet we can, we can bond. Uh, and the, the guitar and classical music makes that happen. Mm -hmm. Whereas, um, you know, if we were in a different environment, we might not choose to come together and, and talk because we wouldn't have as much in common. So mm -hmm. I think for the students at large, it's, it makes a very, very good opportunity, a really good opportunity to, to, to show them someone who might not be the same as them, but has many of the same interests and we can, you know, we can all be in a, in a civil society and, you know, and get along very well. And, and I mean, but isn't that true of anything that, that that's how you break down barriers, you know, that if you're different than someone else, you, they meet you and you've broken down a barrier. When I meet someone from a, from a culture I'm not familiar with, that's the best way you get to know about their culture and to have a, a relationship and not be in an us them type situation. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's so important in an education context to have that learner's mindset when it comes to meeting new people um, and ask those questions and get to know them and see how your understanding and relationship with them evolves over time. That's wonderful. Well, and I, I've always thought that having uh, an activity, a goal, and in this case, you know, music, which does bring you together with communication, um, whether you're playing in an ensemble with another professional or teaching a student, that, that that connection just then is the bridge where everything else can grow from. So you don't even, you don't even have to talk about it. Like, like I was saying with my students, like very rarely do we have just a straight, we don't need to have a straightforward conversation about my life or their lives to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. But through, through the music, we, we really know each other. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how the other person thinks, how the other person feels. Yeah, definitely. Um, when you go to work with your students, what um, what characteristics of your knowledge and expertise as a person and as a guitarist do you hope that they take forward into the world to maybe have better interactions with their peers uh, about these sorts of things? Well, I think I think non-judgmentalness. You know, like so many students, you know, they start to play and then they judge themselves harshly, and then they're just you know, frozen in time, right? They, they can't, they can't continue playing or they can't continue playing well, or they can't learn because they're so busy judging themselves. Mm -hmm. So um, I do my best to, to create an environment where, yes, we're going to learn things and there are, there are ways to do things and ways not to do things. And we're going to learn those things, but mistakes are fine. Mm -hmm. um, disagreeing is fine and having a discussion about it is fine. So the first thing we have to start with is non-judgmentalness towards themselves Okay. And you know, whoever you are, you, everyone is pretty, pretty much suffering from being judgmental, right. Of them, of themselves. Uh, so we have to, especially in music, we have to really work on that 
And that, just working on that in music can can blossom out to the rest of the world. And then that goes out to other people. If you're not judging yourself, you don't need to judge other people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that and patience, you know. Do, do you think that's a lesson that you yourself um, learned maybe with with more focus because of your own experiences as, as, as a member of the community? Well, yes, and well, members of many communities, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, being a female guitarist was tough, you know, you know, I'm so glad it's not as tough, but it still might be tough, but it was really tough um, when I was coming up. Um, and then, yeah, it took me a long time to be non-judgmental about the, the gay thing, about, you know, being gay. That, that took a long time to come to terms with. And then I'm still working on not being judgmental about, you know, the buzzes and the squeaks I make when I perform. <laughs> the occasional memory slips you have, you know. So, so that's the maybe the last thing to be non-judgmental yeah. about, <laughs> or not practicing enough, or something like that. Yeah. Right. Um, do you feel that uh, when you yourself were coming to terms with being non-judgmental about your identity, that it made you a stronger guitarist? because you had learned to release the judgment of this one facet of yourself? Okay, well, I have to say it's come kind of recent. <laughs> you know, it's not like it happened, you know, <laughs> like three decades ago. Um, and I think the world's changing really helped. You know, uh, that, I mean, you know, kind of ancient history now, but when, when marriage equality was passed, that was fantastic. I mean, I think... You know, many, many folks who weren't really affected by it were like, oh, well, okay, fine. Okay, people can get married. But no, I mean, it was huge. Uh, you know, not, not even if I wasn't running out to get married, it was, it was huge just the fact that you were, you were accepted mm-hmm. and um, that you were not second class. Although that's to be debated still. But, uh, you know. In, in the so, eyes of the law, at least. Yeah, you know, yes, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, um, so when, when that happened, then, then suddenly it became okay. And, you know, in some places, like sometimes in Chicago, kind of cool, you know, yeah. oh, I need some gay people in my friend circle because that's, that's cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so that really helped. That really helped. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not a big parade goer. I'm not a big crowd person, but man, do I feel better during June, you know, because everyone is just, it just has, it's happier that there are gay people around, and I and that feels that feels very good. So I think, I think it, we should be like that every month. Damn it! I'm for it. <laughs> I I think so too. <laughs> um, but I mean, and also for everyone, you know what I mean. But um, right. but I I would say as the as the world start, well as as my community started changing, as my specific you know like area that I live in started changing, and then and then the the state, you know, the United States started changing. I mean, I used to just love to go to Canada because, you know, it felt better in Canada. You know, right. people weren't like, it wasn't a weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now here it's it's better and better. And we just have to keep hoping that. So yeah. to get your answer, yes. So then I would feel, you know, because when you're out there performing, that's so vulnerable, right? You know, not only are you, you know, saying to everyone, hey, look at me. But hey, look at me and, and all that I have worked for and all that I feel and I'm going to share my innermost, you know, feelings with you. Mm-hmm. And then if you're all caught up, but but don't know I'm gay, please. 
Don't, don't, you know, I gotta hide that from you. That makes it so much harder, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I think that, that, uh, acceptance from, from our environment really made it a bit easier. Is that something that you felt a lot of pressure to do in the past? Like to, to hide it or to, to. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, coming up, I mean, I, you know, coming up for sure, for sure. I mean, it was not, it was not a cool thing. You know, it was, it was the other, you know, and I would say that it wasn't, let's see, maybe it should have been on the forefront of my radar, but it wasn't because I was like, oh, I'm just going to work really hard and, you know, and I love music and I'm, you know, and I was so obsessed with, with the beauty of classical guitar and learning all that I could and, and playing as much as I could, but you know, there was something, there was something that wasn't authentic, yeah. you know? Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. I mean, like you just to think of that as of this, like you, like you described it, you know, this, this look at me, but not really look at me, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. that the energy it would take to, to maintain that or to manage that, I would think would be tremendous and exhausting. For sure, for sure. What do you think makes the arts community maybe more able to embrace those differences and diverse perspectives than others? I mean, I think it's because we are creative beings. Um, We are open, right? Our hearts and our minds are open because we deal in the realm of expression, uh, human expression, human emotion. And I think there's there's a, even a spiritual element. I mean, this is definitely a big picture, in, and I'd like to kind of take that in. Obviously, the classical music world is full of, you know, dwems, as we call them, dead white European males. So, you know, we have that issue. That's a whole other issue. But just in general, what I would say in a positive way is that, yes, the arts community is, I mean, everything about the, the arts uh, is about openness, right? It's about celebrating the individual and celebrating the spirit, the human spirit and human expression. And so I think that that's a really organic place to be as, as, a, as a lesbian. At least I've always found it that to be that. Um, I have not always found that to be in the classical guitar world, I guess, like especially connected related to my gender. But, um, and, you know, the classical world in general is like going through like a, identity crisis of course i guess we've been going through that for a while um of trying to you know how can we be how can we figure out all of this within the context of like what is western classical music at least i've i've been lucky not to have an issue with that Mm -hmm. what facets of that do you think could be extrapolated on a larger scale to help build more unity and understanding between groups of people who don't don't get it in uh, quote unquote uh on a on a bigger on a bigger and you mean outside of the arts world or even in the arts world either within the arts world in a larger way or up beyond i mean i think we have a lot of ego and not enough respect you know i mean i i'm i feel you know here here we enter into this other things like i feel the same about like If my students can't sit down at a table with someone who thinks with totally different life experience, who thinks in completely different language in their brain than they do and have a conversation and find a connection 
then I feel like I'm not helping them be a good human, you know? So I think that's where we need to be is we, you know, we have these kind of like extreme views of like how humans are when in fact humans want and need connection and humans are very unique and different. So I don't know, I guess I'm an idealist that way, you know, like if we all just sat at the table more, if we all just took time to listen and, and, and held people's fears and anger and doubts. And, you know, I mean, of course there are example. I mean, if it, if it's like a situation where I'm sitting at the table and someone's like abusive to me, like that's a whole different thing, but I want, I, I want my students to be willing to go to that table and to be able to feel authentic in who they are and, and speak about who they are and also to listen to someone else who's different from them. So I think we're, that's a whole society thing though, right? That's like a whole like four hour conversation. So I don't know, <laughs> but that that's the facet that respect, that little respect and listening and holding people where they are, as long as everyone, as, as long as those folks want to come together to the table and talk mm -hmm. and, and experience and listen and be open. I, I guess it's too easy, but I'm idealist that way. <laughs> I kind of think that love solves everything, but that's like, that's, that's too simple. And I know that, but I do think it's a great start. <laughs> it's worth trying, you know, I it's mean, worth trying. Right? <laughs> like, I can love you, even though you, you know, you're very different from me. That's also, I was raised in a family that didn't, dig my sexuality in terms of like parental very religious situations so i've had to navigate that a lot and we've come to this like thing where there's this conditional love where like it doesn't it's okay that you don't understand who everyone why everybody is who they are and what that means but you can still appreciate and hold that space and and find find a lot of connections and things you have in common you know and mm -hmm. that you're that are human so I don't know. I don't know if they answered your question or not, but oh, I, oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. okay. yeah. That conditional love idea is often an important stepping stone to get people towards a more full sense of love or understanding too. Um, and I think that can be a very important factor. And like you said, everyone sitting down at the table and accepting each other and understanding, um, that we're all different and we're not going to make us all the same. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you give that to someone else, they're more likely to give it to you. Right. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's um, if you can take that first step and then that, mm -hmm. and also you have to love yourself. I mean, that, and if you've never been given conditional, unconditional love, you know, and, and you don't know what that feels like, then that's, I mean, that's sad. And that's something that we as artists can like help people out with. Right. Because music is, really in that space i think it's so important as queer people to revere our history and where we've come from and all of the people for hundreds of years before us thousands of years before us that have been um part of our like uh, queer lineage ancestry um how do we revere that and celebrate that without getting stuck in that mm. Well, I think I think you just need to be unashamed of of uh, of that, um, you know, and and just 
talk about it. I mean, it's a, it's a, I think again, it's kind of about education. Um, and uh, if you know something about the history of how we've come to where we've come to, you need to talk about it a lot because people don't know. People, for one thing, people's memory tends to be very short term in general, shockingly short term. Mm -hmm. um, it, it shocks me ever more how it seems like uh, the, the public forgets things that happened a month ago sometimes, never mind yeah. 10 years ago or 100 years ago, you know, whatever. So um, I do think it's really important to bring up that stuff when, when, it, when the time is right for it. I mean, you know, you, you don't want to be um, too, uh, I don't know, too much like a teacher about it all the time. You know, you don't want to be grandstanding. Um, but but I think there are times when it's appropriate to express yourself and maybe support what you're saying with uh, a history of why, it's, why it is this way or why it's come to be. Why not? You know, I, I think it's very important. If we get too stuck in the past, we have a lot of anger. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, how could that have happened? That's, that's not fair. How, you know, how, how come those people had to go through this? And, you know, we, we don't feel that now. And how could people, you know, have, how could you, how could it not have been acceptable before? So I think uh, in some ways we, we don't want to use that as the energy, right? We don't, we don't need anger to be the energy. Um, and I would, I would like young people to move forward not with without that burden, you know, just, uh, mm -hmm. to, okay, um, we're in the LGBTQ community and we were fine. Okay. It, it's part of us and we're fine and we have something to say and we're going to go forward. Mm -hmm. So that first, you know, and then we can learn some of the history, you know. Um, but because, you know, the history is, it's, it's really still really young, you know, there's not, you know, think about things are how quickly things are changing and how much in flux we are right that you know we get we get the right to marry a lot of things are moving forward we think it's going to go great and now a lot of the country is going the other way again okay mm -hmm. and so i imagine we're going to have a lot of this back and forth pendulum before things settle in um and even before the right to marry i mean we had you know going further back we had uh challenges where we thought we thought we were you know accepted and then we weren't so I think the pendulum keeps on swinging and hopefully eventually it, it swings and then it comes back and then it swings further and it comes back, but not as far, you know, as it was before. So I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but, but the, <laughs> the idea that we want, I think it's, I think it is good to know where we came up, but not take that anger, you know, mm -hmm. and, and keep, keep working, but keep moving forward. So we're not burdened, you know, by it and. And feel unduly, you know, victimized. Not to say that people aren't, but you don't want to get stuck in that. Have you had, um, like, specific role models that, that you look to as, um, you know, people that, you, they, that inspired you to be more authentically yourself or to come out or these, these sorts of things or to speak out? I mean, is that something that, that, that plays a part? Because I, I know, and I've had this conversation about a lot of, a lot of, things speaking speaking to women speaking to people of color you know being able to see someone especially as a young person being able to see someone who is like you doing what you want to do 
is a very powerful kind of thing. And and I just wonder, you know, is it, did you did you have those role models, models? Did you want those role models? Do you wish you had them? Does it not matter? Do you want to be that for somebody else? What's the how how, how does that all factor in? I I definitely want to be that for for other people, but it's interesting when I think about myself. I. Uh, it's, it's probably that my, my memory is short on this issue uh, because there must have been loads of them for me. Uh, but I, I'm trying to think. That, that I don't think there was any one standout. Um, but I think it, it was certainly great to see anybody who was a, a good example of being a, a gay person or LGBTQ person and being out there in the world doing what they do freely that um, that always makes me feel really good and inspires me and and has always uh, for, for most of my life so um, I think it's very important I, I, I guess I'm I'm hesitating a little bit because again in my generation, uh, there weren't a lot of role models. Uh, that's that's the thing. I think now, in the last couple of decades, there have been many, many more role models. Um, at the time, there were very few. Very few. I feel uh, similarly in some ways, just uh, being a Midwest kid, I don't think I saw as many role models as other people my age. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was definitely uh, quite a bit um, disconnected from a lot of current media. So I don't think that I saw as many people as I could have. Um, I know musically when I was very young, I was absolutely obsessed with David Bowie. And I think that was my early brain being like, hmm, there is something more to this that is quite appealing about uh, the uh, the image and the, the performance nature of David Bowie, uh, despite the fact that it has nothing musically to do with what I landed on. Um, but uh, I think uh, Columbus... Columbus famous and uh, national uh, wonder uh, Luis Biava was a huge, huge role model for me. And he, I don't believe is in the LGBTQ community, but the way that he um, approaches conversations with people and the way he just exudes this kind of effortless generosity towards people, I think uh, gave me a lot of permission to not feel the fear and hatred of myself at a lot of critical moments. Um, and so I think the way that he uh, treats people and the way that he cares for the people around him was a great role model as any uh, to show how to treat myself when I didn't really know how to treat myself well. Were there role models for yourself either early in life or in the midpoint of life that um, that made you feel not only confident as a female guitarist but also as an LGBTQ guitarist? Um, and what did those people do for you or mean to you? Well, Claire Callahan um, was, I grew up in near Huntington, West Virginia. And my whole life, I thought I was going to study with Claire because all my teachers studied with Claire. And so I ended up with Aaron because he kind of captivated me in my audition in a, a different way. He was, he was really good at 
saying like, you will come study with me. And you were like, yes, I will. I don't know. There was something going on there that was like Jedi something going on. Yeah, there was something going on there. I'm not sure. But but I would say Claire Callahan was like a definite inspiration to me. And and I mean, Sharon, I have to say, Sharon has been definitely, um, I mean, and again, I'm an old school. I didn't have, you know, Gohar and Martha and, you know, all the amazing and Anna Vidovich. And like, I didn't have those people, right? It was, it was like, Alice Arts, Claire, Sharon, and I didn't really, I didn't really know Alice or anything, but I, you know, I, I grew up listening. Leona Boyd, you know, right. I did a huge sound, soundboard article interview with her, and I mean, I grew up with all her vinyl, listening to Leona Boyd. I mean, who was brazen and brave to like, you know, she was the first lady of the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say those three were definitely my. It's so funny because growing up, I, I didn't think about the fact that I was a woman guitarist because I didn't grow up around a lot of guitarists. So mm. it wasn't until I went away that I was like, oh, okay, this is an issue. So it's probably better. It's probably better that I didn't come from a place of like already knowing that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just kind of just forged on onward and just was like, well, I can't really help who I am. So we just got to have to make this work. (laughs) So yeah, that's a Claire and Claire and Sharon and Leona were probably my early female inspirations and, you know, also sexuality. Do you think um, that you've become a similar role model for young people in your uh, now education career? I, I don't know. I mean, I hope, I hope that I, I hope that I'm an inspiration on, you know, on many levels. Right. I mean, like, I hope, I hope, yes, I hope that I'm an inspiration in terms of the LGBT stuff. Um, I also hope that I'm an inspiration just as like, as a person to, you know, like I've said, my males, my females, my everybody. And I, I, yeah, I hope, I hope they certainly inspire me. I think that cycle of teaching, and inspiration that I get from my students and that we kind of, we give to each other. It's just a, it's just a beautiful, I'm just so lucky to be a part of their journeys and, and they, I'm certainly inspired. So that's, (laughs) that I can speak to. Do you think that knowing yourself well and being more in touch with your identity, both as a creator and as a guitarist and a person uh, has made you a better educator? Yeah. And that's something I'd have had to grow into. I mean, that's not something I just had at the beginning. It was mm-hmm. awkward and stumbly when you're first starting, you, you know, teaching and all that kind of thing. I mean, it took a lot of years for me to kind of figure it out. And like, I think in the, I will add that in the nineties, um, like even early nineties and, and even before that, one of the, one of the things, and this is maybe old school, but it, it's, it was my reality was that I would not come out to my students, not because I was hiding, but because I had this theory that if they got to know who I was, and you know, I'm a lot of things. I've been a vegetarian for 36 years. So, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of facets, right? But I feel like, I felt like if they could know me, then they could know that about me or that I'm a lesbian. And I never really had an issue. Like it worked for me. It worked for me to be me and to make and establish that connection and that relationship that was very human. And then for it just to be an organic thing that I was a lesbian and oh, a vegetarian and all, you know, a woman or whatever else it was. Um, 
that really worked for me in my teaching. So I didn't put it like forward facing that I was a lesbian. Again, I wasn't ashamed not to hide it, although it was different, very different in the 90s that it would be now. And I'm certainly, I teach at a really liberal, liberal arts school. So it's never a problem. And I'm, but it's also not something I'd lead with because it's not the most important thing in the room when I'm a, a new student is music right. and mm-hmm. how I'm going to relate to them and get to know them and who they are and who they are. It's not really about me. So immediately as like, how can I support their journey and their, what they're, you know, I've had several trans students that I've been just really fortunate enough to because of the age teaching college students, I got to really be a part of their journey and process, help support that. And that's just been like a real gift and, and something that I feel lucky to be a part of. But a lot of times it's more about them than it is me. So I've, that's been my kind of thing is I'm who I am. And if I'm authentic in who I am and I have integrity, then I can then they're going to be fine with whoever that ends up being in whatever facets they like learn. I think at least I've, I've been lucky not to have an issue with that. The guitar and the music being at the forefront of that identity um, helps people connect and helps break down the fear or the misunderstanding that people have Mm -hmm. when they hear about the other ways you identify besides being a guitarist. So that's, that's so important. Right. Like you wouldn't want your biography to be, you know, so-and-so gay guitarist. No, but, you know, it's <laughs> very like, specific you know, branding there. Yeah. yeah. As, as our, as our wonderful friend, Claire Callahan would say, what's the real story here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what is it that you want to be talking about? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And so I do have to say with, with David, it was um, for me, um, it was amazing because being such a fine player, David, and, you know, when, I don't know if he officially came out or, or how it all happened, but, but when it became public knowledge, you know, yeah. that, that he was a gay man, I was like, wow, you know, right, right. Um, when Sharon Isbin showed up on the L word, oh my gosh, you know, that was like, yeah. You know, I mean, it was on, I don't know, you, you guys, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was like about, you know, two seconds of her playing on the L word. It was like, that, oh. that was it, really. Oh my gosh. And yeah. it, I mean, you know, I, I stayed up to see it, you know, I had to, right. I had to see it. But, you know, just that representation, not that she needed to be the gay classical guitarist, but that both her and, and David were, are, you know, at the height of their playing. And then they share with us who they are. I mean, that was just yeah. fantastic. That's very powerful. Yeah. Were there others? And, and what do you think that it looks like now for young guitarists who, who might need those kind of pathfinders for, for them? I, th- I think it's fantastic for younger players, you know, in, in all yeah. ways, right? That, that we have more diversity in, you know, in, in our ethnicity of our guitarists, right? That um, it's all not all, you know white men right um, that that we we have more women i mean just on the women front i i remember playing for a really phenomenal artist and um we won't mention names and he basically said to me because i was trying to just get more volume he's like you'll never get enough volume you're a woman and your hands are too small 
I'm like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. but I mean, at that time it might've been true, but now yeah. guitars have developed so much. Yeah. I mean, I play a guitar that's, that's small. It's a, it's a 640 scale length yeah. and it's phenomenal and it's loud and it's beautiful. And, uh, I, I've, I've, I've heard you play a lot and I've never thought of you as a quiet player. Yeah, well, I remember, I, guess, I mean, that's still, I mean, how many years ago, and I still remember it. Wow. So, um, well, good, I mean, so that's for just for not taking that in, you know? Like, oh, I did take it in. I did take it oh, in, but okay. I was just really stubborn, so I just kept good. on going. I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. People, people, you know, they don't think about the stuff that they say sometimes, you know, especially well, when they're dealing oh. with young, young people, you know, it's like, come on. But you I know? think at the time he felt it was true because, you know, he had yeah. big hands and he was playing a big guitar. And there was that thought at the time that you needed like a 660 scale length to get in the right. volume. Right, right, yeah. So I think that was true. But but now, you know, thankfully our guitars have developed more. So, yeah. oh, the question was role models. Okay, so, <laughs> so I mean, I did seek out uh, uh, female, female teachers, you know, for, for that reason. To, you know, and, I, and I've had some wonderful female teachers. Um, Claire Callahan, of course, Ann Waller um, at Northwestern. Um, just uh, Pam Kimmel at Roosevelt. Oh, yeah. yeah, sure. Great, great players um, and great teachers and great mentors. So that's just been yeah. fantastic. I didn't have any mentors who were, who were gay. I just, I didn't connect that way. Yeah. Um, and at the time, you know, no one was out. So, right, right. um, when I was growing up, so if, if I can do that for a student in any way, you know, if I can be a role model in any way, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, um, to do that. Well, I, think it, I think it's so important, you know, and, and, and it's something, I mean, people talk about it a little bit, but it, you know, I, I just can't, I can't imagine, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a typical white heterosexual male. Like I, like I don't have to look very far to find people who inspire me who look like me, you know, and I can't imagine how difficult it might be for a young person to to look around and not see anybody that looks like them or that feels like them or that, you know, has the same concerns as them. It's like, come on, you know, I mean, isn't it hard enough already, (laughs) you know, and then to throw that in there too, you know. But but I think like you were mentioning, like David said, that that at the forefront always, you know, for me, the identity, you know, especially in the professional realm, is classical guitars. You know, right. That that, that, sure. that was leading, you know, and then what everything that that entails with um, connecting with people and uh, through music, um, hard work, and uh, you know, and teaching, and you know, and just whatever you. That's that's there first, right? Yeah. And then in this realm, because I think that that really is the quality, and one thing that that I'm sure is coming through in these interviews is that if, if you happen to be gay and not a good classical guitarist, that being gay doesn't make you a good classical guitarist, right? <laughs> so, you, you gotta, you gotta yeah. put the emphasis first, you know. Sure, uh, sure. It, it shouldn't distract, you know, but it also is not what makes you either. Artists always seem to be on the vanguard, you know, they, 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 we, we always seem to be kind of, you know, a generation ahead of of common thinking and, and and I think that's that's probably part of it is you know the the, the playing with creativity and and being willing to be creative I guess you know because that takes a certain kind of courage as, as well you know and and 
so these these movements you know it's it's not surprising to look you know 20 years in the past and saying well people in the arts community have been like that right. it's not really so, that we're ahead it's just they're, they're behind excellently put <laughs> thank you <laughs> but I, I want to speak uh, to something um, that's been talked about a little bit here but I want to be sure to to talk about it um, <clears throat> excuse me talking about um, you know people who are examples uh, what what is shocking to me is that to this day there are people who could be examples and who choose not to be um, and I'm thinking very directly about the guitar world um, I won't talk about names um, because it's not appropriate but there are two people that I think of off the bat um, both of whom were closeted um, in the guitar world, uh, very prominent figures in the guitar world. Um, and what a missed opportunity. Uh, mm -hmm. One of them, um, I think just, well, I think it was very complex with that person. And um, uh, as always, there are all kinds of reasons. Um, uh, this person would have uh, inspired a lot of people and dispelled a lot of hatred and prejudice had they been out. Um, and the same is true of another person I'm thinking of who um, just couldn't come out. They, they knew very early in their life uh, that uh, they were gay and um, partly religion plays a role in this because uh, as unfortunately is often true there are many if not most religions that have people who are very very anti-gay and who make it very difficult for somebody to come out and uh, this person was tortured for their whole life because of it. Um, and they said to me once, well, I'm married to the guitar, mm. which isn't, isn't true. Um, but it's a very, very sad thing. And this person, I, I felt very honored that this person confided in me and we talked about it a great deal but it was not possible for this person to uh, be open in their life and they basically squelched their sexuality because of all these pressures um, not only religious but professional because in the country where they lived this would have been extremely difficult at the time uh, to, to do. Um, but what a tremendous amount of good th these people could have done had they been able to come out. And I, I don't, you know, mean by any means to point a finger of blame because right. there are, you know, no one can be in their shoes. 
Um, right. But it's just part of the conversation. I yeah, just absolutely. want to make people aware of the fact that this, even though we've come so far, this is still in our own time, uh, like within the last, you know, 10 years or so, these people were alive and they're no longer alive. But, uh, uh, you know, this still is something to deal with. And um, I think conversations like this are really, really important to have to, to bring these points across and to show how important it is. Do you think that the art space is uh, equipped to kind of help people navigate those challenges? And if so, in what ways? Um, I know that what I see like at my college, you know, like in the music department, I mean, we certainly are uh, open and ready to, to navigate. I mean, you know, we're navigating all kinds of challenges these days. My gosh, I mean, it's a whole spectrum of, of things, right? Um, so much. So yeah, I do. I think that we, I, I used the word organic before. I think that people come to the arts, right? They come to the arts, not, not just to be an artist. I mean, I've got a ton of double majors because I'm at a liberal arts school and that's kind of my jam is that my students will be like pre-med and music uh, or whatever, physics and music or business and music. And I think, you know, that that balance, that balance of being in the arts and what that can give a person um, is a huge tool. Self-discipline, uh, the ability to be expressive, the ability to feel emotion, hold emotion and express emotion. Um, I mean, those are big things in life, right? Mm -hmm. So I think... You can tie that right back to sexuality, gender, all day long, because that it's like every time you practice, I always say guitar is a tool for life. You can tell who someone is by how they play. You can watch them play and you can tell in 10 minutes, you can tell a few things really quickly about them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's, it's so huge. It's so much more than just playing guitar. It's about like, it's therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like therapy without the talk or whatever, you know, or sometimes maybe, maybe with it's the talk correctly, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Talking, yeah. In an authentic fashion. I think that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's a big part of that discussion is, you know, like are what, what masks are you wearing when you, when you, you're out on stage, you know? And right. Yeah. There is some acting to it, isn't there, yeah. Carl? Yeah. For, for certain, but no, I do. I do think the arts, I mean, gosh, just, just pretend for a second that every kid, did some art form all through elementary school, dance, draw, uh, you know, uh, visual art, music, um, theater, wouldn't matter what, right? Yeah. Just, just like they did every other subject and they just did it through elementary school. Yep. How sure. much more in touch with ourselves would we be? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. So I am idealistic, aren't I? I'm like I listening to myself. <laughs> um, within the classical guitar world, what do you think, um, the community as a whole can do to be more inclusive of women in those spaces of lgbtq people of uh of neurodivergent people of people of color um what steps do you think you see going forward could heal the community and make it more inclusive and better for people well well i see a lot of activity i see a lot going on 
uh, just an incredible amount going on. I mean, we have, well, just because of technology and the way music is distributed now, um, good or bad, we see so many more fine players, right? We so store so many more fine players of any gender coming out, and that's wonderful. Like I said, the, the smaller instruments, which which favor uh, women who aren't as tall or, or men who aren't as tall, that's that's fantastic. And congrats to the luthiers for developing all that. Um, for um, people of color, like like we were just talking about um, the duo noir and uh, the great music that Thomas Flippin is writing, yeah. that that's really you know relevant. You know, it's not just yeah. a title that says, oh, right. we'll just call this title. And, you know, but it has true meaning in it. So um, I think a lot of great, great things are, are being ha are, be are happening right now. And, you know, just in a matter of a, a few years, it's really changed. And yeah. that's fantastic. So what we can do in the future is make education more accessible. Right. So that the community music schools where uh, classical guitar is being taught is, is a rainbow of people a rainbow of young people who are learning and and being exposed to it. And who knows who's it's going who is going to match with? Who knows who's gonna be like, oh yeah, that is what I really want to do. So th that's going on by the way. That's going on. You know, we have yeah. a lot of programs that are um, that are starting young and are are open to people even if you, they don't have, you know, a wealthy background. They're able to to take lessons. Mm -hmm. I mean St. Louis is doing that, right? Um, uh, New Mexico, Austin. yeah, mm -hmm. Austin's doing that. Um, I have a, a program in Chicago. We did the young, young, what's it called? Chicago Young Guitarist Program, where we went into the inner city schools and offered lessons. Um, Adam Levin's doing something. Um, oh yeah, yeah. All yeah. So there's so many great programs like that, and that that's so important, so that we can mm -hmm. bring people up, you know, from. We can let people explore guitar and, you know, choose if they want to make it their life also. But, you know, right. expose people to this of all kinds. So I think that's important. Talking about the ways that the arts can advocate for queer justice and for um, racial justice, um, what things are you seeing around you that are successful examples of that? And where does the arts community have room to grow when achieving justice and civil rights for people? So one example right now is the GFA just started this mentor program a couple years ago. It's so cool. Um, and at first I got to be this, I, I just did, I got to be on the um, interview committee. So like they, they have a mentor program, people apply from all over the world. And we were, people were, we were, we had a kid, a girl from India who knew like two other classical guitarists. We had a girl from, I think she was from Kenya. Um, and this year I got to teach an amazing student, um, Sophia Martinez, who, we did on zoom since November who had never had a private lesson ever. Gosh. And it has been so enriching for me to work with her. And she was a senior. So we, I helped, I was, I came at the perfect time to be able to help her on her journey and be a part of her journey um, to get into college. Oh, wow! And so that's been that mentorship program that the GFA is doing right now for people of color are, is just amazing. And, and female, so many girls are in it. Um, too. So that's a, an example of something good that we're doing in the guitar world. 
um, we're starting to make lists and Spotify lists and playlists of, I mentioned this before, composers of color or um, we, we need to do more on the LGBT. You know, one other thing I thought is, do you know that you are the only people who have ever gotten LGBT classical guitarist in a room room together in my entire life. Like one of the reasons I just wanted to come on today wow. was so I could be in the room with for that for like that sole purpose. I've never David Leisner and I know each other. We are on Facebook and da 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 and we we respect each other and we're in but we've never sat down and had a conversation about this. Right? Wow. We've never I've never had this conversation not one time other than like with a student or oh with another gosh. gay person or with another, you know, or with a trans person, or, I mean, I've never really had this conversation. Wow. So you, so you are an example, uh, yeah. doing this. So thank you. Um, just putting it on the table, talking about it, right. Um, having maybe some, maybe we could pull, you know, we could have a little thing where we pull together composers, uh, LGBT composers for classical guitar, or, you know, I think just talking about it is, is a really great and easy thing. It's easy. It doesn't really cost money. It's not really hard. Um, so, I mean, I think the, the, I think we still have a lot of work to do around gender too. So I, I want to just say that, like, just, I want to keep coming back to that that responsibility of like, we don't have enough female representation yet, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think those are two good examples, this podcast and what the GFA mentor program. Um, and you. just yeah, talking. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for even I mean, I was like, what do they want to talk about? <laughs> they they want to talk about like my sexuality and the context of guitar. Like who talks about that? <laughs> well, we need to start, don't you think? I mean, come on. It's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. It's kind of like uh um, you know, to some people it's been really an important thing in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. so um and you said the arts in general, so, social, um, like queer justice. Um, God, I think artists kind of take care of themselves that way, don't we? I don't know. Maybe not always, but I feel like there's a lot of great queer art being made right now. But um, I can't think of a specific thing to say about that, really. I, would, I tend to think that we're the four, we're the leading folks, but maybe I'm... <laughs> naive i mean I, I think we're you know we're kind of leading it a little bit i i, I agree 100 percent. really appreciate you guys like speaking honestly with me and and, and um you know being here and, and and happy pride wonderful well thank you so much and it's been a pleasure to just be able to talk about something i've never really been asked about so thank you so much for that gift i appreciate that well, well, we, well, I really appreciate it. I'm sure Lane feels exactly the same, that you are mm -hmm. uh, being a, a great ally and, and having this show, which is a beautiful idea, especially in the guitar world. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very beautiful thing that you're doing, and I, for one, greatly appreciate it. So thank you for doing it. Agreed. I'm honored. Well, thank you. You know, thank you, guys. It's really been, really been wonderful. And I have to say, I've not really talks directly so much about being classical guitarist who also happens to be gay and it yeah. was really 
like a very wonderful experience, you know, to feel cool. to feel so supported, you know, and, and like you said, not to not to just not to have to hide, not to have to hide. Yeah. Let's let's not hide. This is Carl Wolwind of Columbus Classical Guitar. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Guitar on My Knee podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit columbusclassicalguitar.com or Carl Wolwind Guitarist on Facebook. <laughs>